This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Father, we thank you for this beautiful evening, the opportunity to be together with your word open, your Holy Spirit, our teacher. We pray that you would so mercifully and graciously work according to our need, that our knowledge and love of you would increase and that you would lead us in paths of faithfulness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please keep Deuteronomy open, uh, everybody. Uh, One of my favourite stories is of three men facing a firing squad. One is British, one is Canadian, one is American. I mentioned this recently at Moore College. And you need to know that Canadians are very politically correct people. And the three, the British, the Canadian, American, are offered a speech before they're shot. And the, the British man says, I would like to make a speech on Queen and country. And the Canadian says, I would like to make a speech about constitutional process, uh, special status, distinct society, and unity and diversity. And the American says, please shoot me before the Canadian starts speaking. And I've always liked that. uh, And uh, here we are this evening in our fourth look at Deuteronomy, in case you're visiting. We've attempted to walk through the whole book of Deuteronomy. And you may be thinking to yourself, this is a very big ask. But Deuteronomy is Moses preaching, preaching under the inspiration of God's Spirit really well. And therefore, the book is an absolute feast, a fantastic feast, as Moses speaks to God's people on the edge of the promised land before they move in to take it. Now, I mentioned to you each week, I think, we could divide the book into big sections, which we've tried to do. So the first week, first sermon, we looked at chapters 1 to 4, which is really the the story so far. Uh, God has led you through the wilderness to the edge of the promised land. And then um, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at chapters 5 to 11, which is very much God in covenant relationship with his people, the blessings and the dangers. And then last week, we looked at the big chunk of 12 to 26, not really properly, but we just tried to take a few special parts of 12 to 26, which are the practical details of being God's people. And this week, we come to uh, what is basically 27 to 34, And this, I think we could summarize as make a decision, farewell. That's basically what 27 to 34 is about. And before we look at um, the text itself, I want to say something very important to you. And that is, there is a great danger if you're a new Christian or you're not a very clear Christian, that you will read the book of Deuteronomy, which is full of instruction, And you'll say to yourself, I better do it. And you'll therefore read Deuteronomy wrongly. Because it's no point in reading Deuteronomy and saying to yourself, well, this is how God instructed Israel, and they were pretty hopeless, but we will do it really well. No, you need to read your Bible from cover to cover, And remember that these instructions to Israel were very specific to Israel going into the promised land. They had to do with being a nation as well as a church in the land. And you need to remember that although Israel did fail to keep the instructions, down the track came an Israelite who was totally obedient, whose name is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus walked into this world, 
he obeyed totally. His life was a perfect life. His death was an exchange, taking our punishment to offer us his blessings. And he invites us through the gospel to come and put our trust in him. And when we put our trust in him, we share in his perfection. God sees us in Christ. And not only that, but God's spirit begins to work in and through us to help us to be faithful. So it would be a great mistake if you didn't read your Bible, Old Testament, Christ-centeredly. And that's the important introductory comment that I want to make. We're going to think about this under three headings in case you're taking some notes in your um, little server sheet, which you've been given. You know you've been given a piece of paper and it's got a letter on the front and some notices. And on the back is a nice blank piece of paper there. And here are the three things that I'm going to look at. The first is warnings and promises, 27 to 28. What the future holds, 28 to 30. 29 to 30, and words to sing and remember, 31 to 34. We could focus just on one passage, say the passage that was read for us this evening, but I want you to get the big picture. So first of all, warnings and promises, chapters 27 to 28. If you want to turn back to chapter 27, 28, here's the question. How are God's people going to be faithful when their hearts are so corrupt? and warped, and twisted. Chapter 27, verse 2, here's plan A. Moses says, I want you to cross the river, that's the Jordan, into the promised land, and I want you to collect some large stones and set them up as a monument, chapter 27, verse 2, and I want you to paint them white, and I want you to write the law on the stones, probably the Ten Commandments. And so that's plan A. There's going to be a monument to remind you of how to live. Plan B, chapter 27, verse 12. There are two mountains in the plain as you get into the land that face each other. And I want some of your leaders to get up on one mountain and some to get up on the other mountain. And I want the leaders on one mountain to call out the curses. And I want the others to call out the blessings. If you look at chapter 27 from verse 14, you'll see that there are some general curses. And the general curses are basically, do not do this, and do not do this, and do not do this. doesn't go into much detail. It just tells you some things not to do. When you get to chapter 28, 1 to 14, there are some very specific blessings In other words, if you're faithful, I'll provide you with food. If you're faithful, I'll make sure you have plenty of crops. I'll make sure the rain falls. I'll make sure you're safe and the nations around you leave you alone. Very specific blessings. But then at the end of chapter 28, verses 15 to 68, a very long section, there are some specific curses There will be famine if you're unfaithful. There'll be disaster. There will be loss. Now, let's ask a question. Why are there more curses than blessings? Is that because God is more interested in cursing than blessing? Well, of course, we know that's not true. In chapter 5, we're told that God is interested in giving to the faithful a thousand generations of blessing. That's a very long time. 
but to the unfaithful, he says, to the third and fourth generation. So his delight to bless is much greater than his need to curse. But I'll tell you why there are more curses than blessings, because the curses are part of God's love. Just as a mother, in talking to a little child on the way to school, will say to a child, uh, don't take a lift from anybody, don't step onto the road, don't leave your friend, don't forget you've got a phone in your pocket, on and on with these warnings because of great love for the child. And especially Israel is being told to avoid certain dangers because God is going to provide the blessings. And the blessings, if you ever read this section, are echoes of paradise. And the curses, if you ever read the section in chapter 28, are echoes of slavery. In fact, we read in chapter 28, verse 27, that if you're unfaithful, you will get boils. And that should remind you of what took place in Egypt on God's enemies. Interestingly also, this will interest some of you here this evening, in chapter 28, verse 65, the unfaithful people of God will be marked by great anxiety, fearfulness, super anxiety. And for those of us who know what it's like to have anxious times, sometimes irrationally anxious times, I wonder whether this has got to do with the fact that God in some measure is exercising judgment on the world in which we live. And we are being affected by that. Of course we're not under his curses. Once you come to faith in Jesus, he has delivered you from the curses. You're now to enjoy the blessings. But I wonder whether living in a very ungodly world, whether we experience something of this judgment. Well, we need to read these verses as Christians. Don't read the curses and say, oh, that's me, if you're a Christian. Because Jesus, Galatians 3.13, has taken the curses for you in order that you might enjoy the blessings. So that's the first point this evening, what I briefly called warnings and promises, 27-28. My second point this evening, and some of you are looking attentive, which is great, is what the future holds, 29 to 30. Just look at chapter 29, verses 2 to 4. It's, this is very interesting. Moses says in chapter 29, verses 2 to 4, you saw what God did. You saw what God did because you were children when God did it, but now you're adults and you saw what God did. You saw what it was like to come out of Egypt and to cross the Red Sea. You saw what God said, but then look at what he says a little further on. The Lord has not yet given you a mind or a heart or eyes to understand. Isn't that remarkable? He says, you saw the Exodus, but you don't get it. It's a little bit like what Jesus said when the crowds came to him and he fed them. John chapter 6, and he said to them, I fed you and you don't get it. The feeding is meant to be a signpost to me, the bread of life, but you don't get it. We need to say that every now and again, don't we, to congregations and to even some friends 
The reason that you don't really appreciate Jesus Christ is because you don't yet get it. That's what Moses says here. But he says in verse 5, God has looked after you. In fact, he's led you through the wilderness and you had enough food and your clothes and your shoes didn't wear out. Now, chapter 29, verse 12, it's time to decide. He says in chapter 29, verse 12, listen to this, I want you to enter into covenant with God. Literally, it's time to pass over into covenant. You're about to pass over the river called Jordan, but you've also got to pass over into covenant with God. What does this mean? It means you've got to ink in your marriage. It means you've got to restate your vows. It's time for you to, as it were, repeat your marriage ceremony and decide whether you are really committed. It's like a couple who are having a tough time in their marriage. And the counsellor says, well, to the couple, do you want to go forward with this? And he says, I really do. And she says, I really do too. And they ink in, mentally or literally, their marriage ceremony. So this is what Moses is saying. You don't really get it, but God has been good to you. And it's time for you to decide to ink in your covenant relationship with God. Look at chapter 29, verse 18. Don't turn away. Verse 19, don't think you'll be safe if you do turn away. Verse 22, your children need you to make this decision. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but uh, it seems to me now that I'm getting old that every generation is getting just a little more flabby about Christian things. Uh, My wife's great-grandfather was a minister and her grandfather was a minister and her father was a minister and her brother is a minister and her husband is a minister. It's terrible. Um, And she has this long list of people. But I imagine if we brought in today her great-grandfather and we talked to him about what it meant to live a Christian life, he would be absolutely astounded, horrified by the way we conduct our Christian life. Maybe true of her grandfather as well, maybe even true of her father. But this is what Moses is saying to the people. He's saying to the people, you need to make your own decision very clearly because your offspring are going to depend on this. There needs to be in the present a committed group who are going to be a blessing for the next generation and maybe even for the next. And then look at 29.29. This is an absolutely wonderful verse. This is a verse for everybody here this evening to learn off by heart. 29.29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children, that we may follow all the words of this law. There are secret things and there are revealed things. I've often used this verse in pastoral tragedies. I've often had to open up the Bible to this verse when somebody has had a terrible loss and they're utterly bewildered and they don't know what to do. What is God doing to me? And I'll say to the person who's suffering, I'll say, you see here, this is a secret thing that's happened. You don't know why it's happened. I don't know why it's happened. Nobody knows why it's happened. It's a secret thing. But there are revealed things. God is on the throne. God is a God of love. God is a God of wisdom. God is a God of eternity. But in context, that's not what quite what Moses is saying. Moses is saying to the people, yes, there's some things you don't understand. 
But what are you going to do with all the things you do understand? Yes, there are secret things. You don't know everything. But what are you doing with what has been revealed? I wonder whether this wouldn't be a good verse to to open up and explain to some of our non-Christian friends when they are talking to us about the craziness of Christianity. Might be good to open this 2929 and say, yes, there are things I don't understand, but what are you doing with the revealed things? Because I'm not able to solve the secret things, but I am trying to grapple with the revealed things. Are you? That's the way Moses is speaking to his people. Now, the future in Deuteronomy 20, this is what will happen. We're told in chapter 30, verse 1, chapter 30, verse 1, you're going to be scattered. In other words, things are not going to go well down the track. And then verse 2, you'll return back to the land. Verse 3, and the Lord will restore you and he's going to change your heart. You see that very striking verse, chapter 30, verse 6? He's going to circumcise your heart. You're not just going to be changed outwardly. You're going to be changed inwardly. And then we come to the passage which was read for us, chapter 30, verse 11. This is not too difficult. You don't have to climb up to heaven to get the message. No, it's come down to you. You don't have to cross the oceans to get the message. No, it's come over to you. And we might say to people today, you don't have to go up looking in heaven, in the sky, for a message from God because Jesus has come down. And you don't have to cross the oceans looking for some guru. Christ has come over to you. And therefore, chapter 30, verse 19, choose life. Choose life. God has been good to you. God's completely in charge. God will be good to you. Choose life. Bow down your heart that is so rebellious. Surrender it. Get down on your knees physically, mentally, spiritually, and give yourself to him. And he will take hold of you and he will provide for you. I don't know if you've ever heard of the martyrs of Sevast. But uh, this was a very famous event in Roman history back in 320 AD. And Rome had decided that all soldiers would call Caesar Lord. And in one particular legion, there were 40 Christians, 40 Christian soldiers. And they said that they could not call Jesus Lord. And so they took the 40 soldiers and they took them in the winter out onto a lake, a frozen lake, And they removed their coats and they left them on the ice, guarded to die. And the 40 soldiers sang, we are the 40 soldiers of Christ. And in the evening, one of the 40 lost courage and slipped away from the ice and went back to the Romans and said, I've changed my mind. And there were 39 left on the ice. And watching the 39 continue to sing, one of the Roman guards took off his coat and walked out onto the ice and stood with the 39 for Christ and began to sing 40 soldiers for Christ. Was he doing something insane when he did that? No, he was doing something utterly sane because he was choosing life. And that's what uh, Moses says here. Now, my third and my last section this evening 
is words to sing and remember, and this is um, chapters 31 to 34. If you look at chapter 31, you'll see that Joshua is to be appointed the new leader. Moses is not going to go into the promised land. And of course, God's plans are much bigger than Moses. God's plans are much bigger than individual people. God is going to raise up a new leader called Joshua. And Moses orders that the law is to be read every seven years. See that in chapter 31, verse 10? Every seven years, the law, the whole law is to be read. Then the Lord orders Moses to write a song, which is recorded for us in Deuteronomy 32. It's about 43 verses long. What a song it is. This is not a jolly song. This is not God loves me and I love me too. The song, this is a summary of the song. God is very great. God's people are corrupt, crooked and warped. God has looked after his people very wonderfully. His people grow fat and disobedient. God has been angry and has punished his people. They will die unless they return. That's basically the song. I think somebody should write a good tune to this song and we should learn it because it is a very different type of song from the normal sometimes gushy songs that we sing. This is a song that rebukes us and tells us that we need to remember God's greatness and our sin. Then Moses gives a blessing to the tribes from chapter 33, verse 6. Just as Jacob gathered his 12 sons and gave them a blessing in Genesis 49, Moses now gathers the tribes and gives them each a blessing before he is buried in chapter 34. I've been reading a book on final words. You know, there are these books out on final words. Some of them are very revealing. Joan Crawford, the actress of the 1930s and 40s, her last sentence was, don't you dare ask God to help me, as her maid went to pray for her. Machiavelli, a great uh, pagan, said, I desire to go to hell, not heaven. Joan of Arc, her last words were, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. A lady called Lavinia Fisher, her last words, any message for the devil, I'm about to meet him. Ayrton Senna, the great um, fast uh, driver, driver, racing car driver uh, from Brazil, who uh, crashed his car at a huge speed into a brick wall, and uh, three million Brazilians lined the streets for his funeral. His last words were, the car seems okay. Beethoven, the composer, said, I shall hear when I'm in heaven. He was going deaf. He was deaf. Karl Marx said, last words are for fools. Winston Churchill said, I'm bored with it all. And the billionaire uh, Rothschild said to his children, obey the law of Moses and always consult your mother. So those were his final words. Now Moses has some tremendous words. And I want you to look with me at them, chapter 33, 26 to 29, just four verses. And I'm going to read them to you. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun. Jeshurun is another word for Israel. It means the upright one. There is no one like the God of Israel 
who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He'll drive out your enemies before you, saying, destroy them. And so Israel will live in safety, Jacob will dwell secure in a land of grain and new wine where the heavens drop dew. Blessed are you, Israel, who's like you, a people saved by the Lord. He's your shield and helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on the heights. I want you to notice from those verses where Moses says God is. And we're told in verse 26 that he is above them ruling everything. We're told in verse 27 that he is around them, protecting them. We're told in verse 27 he is beneath them, sustaining everything. And we're told again in verse 27 that he is advancing everything because he's before them. This idea of being surrounded by God is a very wonderful biblical picture It finds its fulfillment when we get to the New Testament and Paul's favourite phrase for the believer is that they are in Christ. More than any other definition of a believer is his phrase, in Christ. 164 times in the New Testament, in Christ, in Christ. This idea of being surrounded, safe, secure, loved, preserved, kept, is very precious. And the everlasting arms are very significant also because you may remember that Moses' arms failed. There was a time where God's people were battling and Moses had to hold his arms up in order that they would succeed and he couldn't do it. It was too much. And here says Moses, the arms of God are everlasting. They will not fail you. He won't fail to carry you. You cannot fall out of his arms. You might think that your sin does that, but it doesn't. You might think that your troubles do that, but they don't. You might think that your sickness does that, but it doesn't. You might think that your death will do that, but it won't. God makes sure that you cannot fall. He makes sure that the fall does not have the last word. So I want to finish this little series of four in the book of Deuteronomy by saying to you, Dear friends, learn to listen to the Word of God the easy way. Find a way to read your Bible and love reading briefly, clearly, helpfully, practically. Take note of something. Take it into the day. Learn to read your Bible the easy way. Learn to listen to the gospel the easy way. I was at a dinner on Friday, a lunch, and there was a girl there who'd been converted at one of the crusader camps, and she was telling us that she'd been to the crusader camp, absolutely no idea of Christianity, and there on the crusader camp, she's listening to the gospel being explained, and she says at the end of the week, this is so wonderful, but I said to myself, it's too hard. So I went away without any commitment. She said, when I got home, I'm in my room, and I said to myself, why would I turn my back on the love of Christ? And so she gave herself to Christ and she's obviously been embraced by Christ and made new by Christ and has the joy of Christ and testified to all these business people at this parliamentary lunch and it was very wonderful. And this is what you and I need to do is to embrace the gospel the easy way 
because why come the hard way? If God wants to bring somebody the hard way through a tragedy, through trouble, well, he'll do it. But come the easy way and listen to the Bible the easy way. Don't listen to the Bible the hard way. Don't wait until God absolutely demolishes your crazy plans and brings you on your face back. Listen to the Bible the easy way. Remember, Jesus famously said, my sheep hear my voice. They listen to me. They follow me. I give them eternal life and no one will pluck them out of my hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way you communicate to us in person, through your Son, in your Word, in such clear black and white. We ask that you would have mercy on us for having such deaf ears and hard hearts. We pray that you would open our ears and soften our hearts so that your Word would have a very real and great effect on us and that we would trust you and obey you and bring honour to you. We pray that you would help us as we walk with Christ to be those like the sheep who listen, who are grateful for the security, who are faithful in witness and gratitude. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.